Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. I'm Brian Moran, and today I want to welcome Christopher Johnson to our show. Christopher is president of Pitney Bowes Financial Services and is responsible for the financing and lending businesses, as well as consumer merchant payments and risk management functions across the company. Today, Christopher and I are going to discuss financing options to grow your business. And with that, I'd like to welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Christopher Johnson. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Brian. Uh, to be on Small Business Edge. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. You know, I love having guests like yourself on who have uh, an uh, an area of expertise in the SMB space because I feel like every time I talk to people like you, I always walk away with at least you know six or seven nuggets of information that I just didn't know before and that I could apply to my business as well as to my listeners' businesses and our, our followers and my clients. So very excited to have you here today. Now, you recently launched Wheeler Financial about a month ago. That's correct. And um, I can uh, let, let me let me actually, Brian, take a moment to uh, orient you to my business and um, tell you a little bit more about Wheeler Financial as well. So for the listeners, you are correct. Uh, I run Pitney Bowes Financial Services. And as a part of that, we have been financing customers across uh, Pitney Bowes for a better part of uh, the last three to four decades within our business. And so what we run is a uh, captive equipment financing uh, capability. Uh, We have a working capital lending capability. We also, um, uh, many people are not aware of this, uh, but we have a bank affectionately known as the Pitney Bowes Bank, which is an industrial loan chartered company in, in the state of Utah. And then most recently, uh, what we launched just a few uh, days ago, as you mentioned, is our newest capability and platform to support small and uh, lower lower middle market sized businesses uh, grow and develop their companies. Uh, we launched Wheeler Financial from Pitney Bowes. Um, we're very excited about this uh, new offering, uh, which is really principally focused on uh, equipment financing and helping customers and companies in the United States acquire the critical use or essential use assets that are necessary for those companies to do what they do and operate uh, to um, uh, to to uh, drive and, and develop the types of equipment and services uh, that they sell uh, to to their customers. So we're very excited about um, that launch uh, just a few days ago, and um, and it re, um, reinforces our commitment uh, to uh, building uh, small businesses on main streets all across the U.S. So I love that. Obviously, uh, any any company that is you know. Uh, doing things to help small business owners and and entrepreneurs run better companies is always going to get my vote of support. Um, tell us a little bit. What was the the thought? Obviously, uh, Pitney Bowes has a, a almost a hundred year history of helping small business owners. Um, is this so? Is this kind of an extension of your long? heritage and tradition of being involved in this space? And did you see something specifically 
around equipment financing because you know that you, you've kind of peeled off a piece of um, financing options to grow your business to say, you know, we're going to focus on on asset lending. Yeah, uh, so so it's a great question, uh, Brian, and I'm going to give you uh, two answers here. Let me first start with. Uh, the, the the point that you make on on the history, um, so so Pitney Bowes, uh, we are in our 99th year of operations. Most companies um, cannot uh, really uh, hold that claim, but uh, for this better part of a century, what we've been uh, doing is helping uh, companies really be successful um, in what is increasingly been a more complex commerce environment. We uh, simplify um, our com- our customers' ability um, to uh, grow, uh, to develop, and to uh, win in the world of, of commerce. And uh, we are applying a lot of what we've taken out of the last 100 years and then our close to 40 years of operations and financial services. Um, and we are applying those, those lessons learned, those knowledges, those best practices inside of this newest platform, Wheeler um, Financial from Pitney Bowes. Um, with respect to your, your comment on why, you know, equipment financing, uh, let me tell you a little bit more about what we see in the marketplace. So um, for small businesses, and this is true, as I spend time uh, crisscrossing through the United States, sitting down with small business owners um, and talking to them about their businesses and what it is that um, they are facing uh, in, in uh, um, their, uh, their own context in their own local markets. Here's what I generally hear. I hear that um, they are um, doing well, uh, that they are growing um, that they are excited about the opportunities that are presented to themselves uh, and their their team members. Um, but what it is, is it's actually hard uh, for them to get access to the capital that they need to actually fuel that growth. And so most of my conversations start in this this uh, this 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 vein. And when you look at the statistics here in the United States, what what actually starts to unfold as you unpack that is that these companies and these business owners are actually more in tune, right, with what is going on in the U.S. than uh, most people would would see, right? So the statistics that I would share with the audience is this: if you look at corporate loans in the United States. We are at a level of lending, right, that is not been seen ever before, right? It is the highest it's been since we've been keeping records in the United States. However, what is interesting is as you double click on that type of lending and the loans that are going out to corporations in the U.S., what is also true is that loans to small businesses in the United States have been declining every single year, year after year, for the past decade. 
Now, juxtapose that, right? Juxtapose this idea that 75% of people in the United States work for small businesses. Juxtapose the fact that 50% of the GDP in the U.S. is fueled and comes from uh, small businesses. Juxtapose it with this concept that loans to corporation are at the highest point as it's ever been. Yet still, small businesses can't get access to capital. There's something inherently wrong with the system. I totally agree. And it is, you know, I think largely the, the there are regulatory hurdles, right, that have made it harder for small businesses to get loans. Um, and I think that, um, you know, maybe small business owners are learning to be better bootstrappers. But um, I, I, the reason that you and I are having this conversation today is because I hear constantly from my listeners and from my readers and from my followers that uh, access to capital is one of the two or three biggest headaches in running their business. And you know, sometimes it's cash flow issues. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's um, emergency situations. But more times than not, it's uh, capital for opportunities to right. grow. Right. And and they just, you know, they, they put those growth opportunities on hold because they can't grow the business organically. Yeah. And I think that that's what I hear and I see when I'm out in the marketplace and I I fairly often sit down with small business owners um, and what's uh, and also an interesting statistic to just for the, your for your audience to feel that they they are like others and they are seeing, experiencing the same type of phenomenon. Um, if you look at the average sort of uh, balance sheet or you look at the, you know, uh, an income statement or a statement of cash flows, what you would find um, is that on average, right, a small business, about 60%, give or take, right, of uh, that cash flow was really going to, um, you know, invest in the these these critical, you know, um, plant and equipment mm-hmm. fixed investments that are needed, right, right, um, to fuel their businesses. And so that's why equipment financing is so important. And if you think about what we've done, right. We've chosen to build on our heritage. We've chosen to build on uh, what is it that we know, right, um, from a standpoint of we've been serving this business market for such a long period of time that that we think that we can help uh, those companies that are out there be truly successful in um in, uh, in, in, in sort of acquiring that, that critical capital expenditures uh, and the capital goods that they need in order to, be, uh, to fuel their growth as they go forward. Okay. So now I know you have our listeners' attention. Um, they're all saying to themselves, borrowing money is just one big headache. Right. The, the, the thought of being rejected is certainly not a pleasant one. So let's see if we can we can help our listeners today. Can you tell us what are some of the biggest mistakes that business owners make when it comes to 
equipment financing, or even just applying for loans in general? What are, what are the biggest mistakes that you see business owners making? So, um, you know, I don't know if I could say um, that they're um, biggest mistakes. I think um, what what I think uh, companies are doing is, and you said it well earlier, um, they're bootstrapping, right? In mm-hmm. a world of um, not having access to the adequate capital, um, how do you find your way forward? You become rather inventive, right? And mm-hmm. innovative with respect to um, uh, other alternatives, if you will. Um, you've seen uh, private equity, you've seen, you know, uh, some of the other, um, sort of loan funds, uh, come into the market. Uh, but those are all generally speaking, very expensive, um, or higher priced cost of funds and are more yeah. difficult alternatives, um, for, um, our audience here. Uh, but it may be very much necessary if, given the choices of having access to the capital or not. Um, When we think about how we approach this market, we understand that most companies will have a relationship with a bank, right? Mm -hmm. It may very well be for, let's call it business checking, right? Sure. Or it may very well be from a standpoint of um of uh, payroll or things of that nature okay Mm -hmm. Um, and they may even have someone that they've gone through from time to time whether it be for real estate whether it be for um a standpoint of uh, of uh, maybe even some equipment that they have purchased previously but what i always advise these principles of these institutions is to ensure that they have a number of relationships okay so you need to not only have one but in the modern 2019 context you have to have relationships with several right probably somewhere in the neighborhood of three to five players yes that are active in the market who are committed to your success okay that you have a relationship with through not just one transaction but multiple Mm-hmm. that you can count on in a time of good and bad, right? Yeah. Because your business is going to go through cycles. You're going to have ups and you're going to have downs. That's just nature of business. But a true partner will invest for the long term. When we think about Wheeler Financial from Pitney Bowes, we think about it from a context of we are not asking you to necessarily stop doing business with a partner that you may have had a relationship at some point in time with, but we think we are also a very good, a very competitive alternative choice that wants to build long-term relationships in our customers. And so when you think about having alternatives and when you think about long-term relationships, what I can assure you, Brian, is our philosophy as we approach this market. We are not in this for a transaction. We are not in this for calendar year 2019. We take a long-term view of who these companies are, 
where they've come from, where they're going, what their goals are, what their aspirations are. We are really talking about people who have given their entire lives to building a business. And we want to be a partner to them in that. So two things, two, uh, a statement and a question on that. I totally agree with you in not putting all of your financial eggs in one basket. And I'll tell you why. Recently, uh, my bank, which will go unnamed, had a, a series of uh, computer glitches and where it literally shut down their system and I couldn't get access to my money. And uh, thankfully, I had other financial institutions where I could get access to money and uh, was able to go to them until my other uh, bank was back up and running. So, you know, the idea of, of putting all your eggs in one basket and then something happening to that basket through no fault of your own can really throw your business um, yeah. for a loop. So I, I agree with that. And that's true in every aspect of your business. You know, when and, and so I'm going to go off on a slight tangent here for my listeners. And that is, you have to understand your suppliers and your suppliers' suppliers. Because in that supply chain logistics, if something happens down the supply chain, the ripple effect is going to hit your business at some point. And the sooner you see it, the sooner you can create a contingency plan. And I've had this happen to my clients time and time again. And thankfully, they've had plan Bs in place. So, oh, you can't get your resources from this supplier for 30 days? Then go to supplier B, you know, that, and, and just increase your order from them. Um, but that that's part of the what-if game that we play. And so I think your point is very well taken in that you can't put any of your eggs in one basket because other companies have different agendas than you, and they also have their ups and downs like you. And so if they can't deliver at a, at a certain period in time for your business, you're going to have to find yeah. somebody else who can. Yep. So it's that's my statement. statement. Great statement. <laughs> my question then is, um, can you give us some examples of types of companies uh, you don't have to give us specific names, mm -hmm. but the types of companies that you see yeah. being customers for Wheeler Financial. Yeah. So if you think about um, where we would have um, the most, um, you know, I would say practice, um, we can look at this in a couple of different um, dimensions. Um, one, uh, if you look at our customer base across the Pitney Bowes Financial Services, which is where we're really pulling from in terms of developing uh, Wheeler uh, Financial from Pitney Bowes out, uh, some very important statistics. One, in our broader business, we have close to 750,000 active customers that we engage with on a day-to-day -day basis. It is a very large customer. Uh, base. So chances are there is some level of activity that we may be doing uh, with the listeners in the audience um, today. Um, secondly, uh, when we think about those um, industries in which we participate, you know, we're very focused on um, we have a lot of companies that are uh, in the healthcare space. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of companies in the uh, information technology space. 
um, business services uh, space. Uh, there's manufacturing, industrial, construction, uh, as well as wholesale and retail trade. Uh, there's certainly uh, others uh, uh, that uh, we are actively participating with that constitute that customer base. Um, but uh, for all intents and purposes, we've got a fairly deep um, roster of understanding uh, and intelligence on a number of these uh, uh, these markets um, and um, uh, have a, a level of specialization in terms of our team members that hail from, on average, a probably 25 to 30 year uh, type of experience base uh, that come from uh, the top um, uh, brands or institutions that you would all uh, know of uh, that have come together to uh, join and uh, be a part of Wheeler uh, Financial from Pitney Bowes. So a lot of deep expertise, a lot of great sector um, uh, knowledge and intelligence and a very, very broad swath of the marketplace uh, that we are capable of serving. In terms of deal sizes, uh, what I would um, sort of throw out there is, um, you know, we will go down to very small transactions. Uh, this does not necessarily have to be largest transactions. We do uh, several small, small size transactions. And, and what would be small? Uh, you know, think about you're running the mill, five, ten thousand dollar type of transaction on up to, you know, about a million to two million dollars in uh, in size. OK, um, so very broad uh, diversity there. We look at things from a relationship point of view. And so when you think about uh, my statement about investing in companies, it really is one of growing with a company over a long period of time. And we recognize that that means that uh, we have to, um, you know, do transactions that a company would need, whether it be as small as something like um, a network system or uh, a set of uh, uh, computers and printers type of uh, systems all the way straight through to, let's say, heavy machinery uh, that would be needed in order uh, to run a production facility. And so this this is good information for people who are involved in procurement. For instance, you're a you're a you know construction company, and you win a, a bid with some municipality that's you know largest bid that you've ever you know contract you've ever won, and it's going to require you know financing for that growth. You're going to have to invest in new equipment, hire new people. Now the hiring of the people is not necessarily finance, but your equipment certainly is. And so you want to have that relationship with Wheeler Financial set up before you win the contract. So the idea being that that you're my, you know, you're my trusted advisor, I then turn to you and say, hey, good news. I won this contract. It's for $20 million. I need to buy equipment to, and I'm going to have to hire people in order to fulfill it. Yeah, and let me jump in because, Brian, you make a great point. Um, when you think about that trusted advisor statement, um, it is really important that not only do you have uh, the audience and small businesses have access to, um, to capital, but 
they also need to have access to what I refer to as the human capital part of the process. And so this is the uh, consultative advisory, right, Mm -hmm. that comes alongside uh, looking at uh, a company and investing in a company. So if you take a scenario uh, that you described um, and we recently um, uh, did a transaction with a comp- with a company um, that uh, happened to be uh, in the construction space uh, bidding on um, some some work uh, that was competitive in nature. Um, our ability to sit down, spend the time with a smaller business, right, mm-hmm. and provide uh, you know structuring options as to Hey, here's how we can structure a transaction in a way that's going to allow you to get to the uh, most efficient machinery that's going to be needed to uh, work through that particular uh, opportunity, but also to do that in a way that uh, provides the maximum cash flow for that company as they go through that particular process. That creates a win-win type of environment where we're really uh, trying to help with these best practices, uh, you know, world-class thoughts um, that um, can help these companies uh, be more successful. At the end of the day, you know, the point that that I would want to emphasize is, you know, small businesses are no different than large businesses and the Fortune 100, 1000 companies. We know that the large uh, money center banks, right, will invest a lot of time uh, with the the Fortune 100s, the Fortune 1000s, or 2000s of the world, right? But small businesses are no different, right? They need help. They need um, uh, support in being as competitive as they possibly can. And we're just purposefully built as a institution and what Wheeler Financial from Pitney Bowe stands for is we stand for small businesses. We stand for Main Street. I love all of it. <laughs> you, you've got, you certainly have my attention. And so now we're, we're actually coming into kind of the home stretch of our podcast. So I have two questions left for you. And I think they're definitely ones that are on the minds of our listeners. And the first one is, um, and, and I like the whole idea, which I, I, I initiated and you've kind of uh, added on to it, but the whole idea of, of don't go to a company like Wheeler Financial after you've won the, a contract and now you've got to scramble to, you know, put your financing available because, oh my God, I actually won this contract. Now I have to buy all this equipment to service the business. Um, you know, you're so much better off establishing the relationship prior to it. And so somebody from Wheel of Financial can kind of walk you through it. So there are no surprises when, you know, it, it comes time to grow your business. I, I love that. And, and I'll, I'll state that over and over again to the people listening that uh, I think it was Harvey McKay who said it, you know, you want to dig your well before you're thirsty. And he had a bunch of other, um, you know, anecdotes like that. But um, l- let's talk about putting a checklist together for our listeners, right? So I'm a small business owner. I'm in construction. I'm in retail. I'm in IT. What needs to be on that checklist? 
for, so that when I have that first meeting with Wheeler Financial, um, I've got I've got my ducks in a row. What what are you, what are you looking for from me? So it's a great question. Um, principally, I like to start uh, conversations with with companies about. Um, you know, what are they um, seeing in terms of opportunities for their future? Um, so one of the things that I would typically engage with a company around is tell me more about um, what are you trying to win or how you're trying to grow your business and the tangible opportunities that you have. Um, what is your um uh, what, 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 what is your needs in order to win that business or to fulfill that business? Okay. Mm-hmm. What, uh, budget or, you know, uh, kind of cash flow working cap, uh, what, what sort of capex do you have in terms of, of expansion, um, today? And then what that allows us to do is to understand in essence, what are some of the the sort of gaps that 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 company would be uh, faced with in terms of being able to pursue those opportunities? That kind of dialogue, that rich dialogue, allows us to come back to a company with the here's how you can compete for that opportunity, right? Right. That's a different conversation, by the way, than saying, here's what we're going to require of you to do that, right? That's what typical banks would approach you with. We're about trying to figure out how a company can scale and grow. And so it's really a needs-based worksheet or work list that we're trying to get a perspective of, okay? Um, yeah. And in those conversations, right, um, will will lead us to a few other questions around is the need really focused on the particular opportunity, meaning is that something that is um, something that a company wants to own over the long term? Is that something that um, may be uh, potentially obsolete after some time or Um, how those needs may change as we go down the line. And so having some points of view around the business, the opportunities, Mm -hmm. and uh, where that positions that company allows us to really partner uh, with them beyond just the merits of a transaction and gets us to a higher level, more value, valuable place around investing for a partnership. Okay. So here's my final question then, based on what you just said. If I want you to put yourself in your customer's shoes right now, and I want you to look out or look into your crystal ball over the next 12 to 24 months. And this is probably a rhetorical question, but do you think it's a good time to invest in your own business? And if the answer is yes, which I don't know many entrepreneurs who would say no, but where would you invest your money for the best ROI? So the it's a great question, um, Brian. Um, and uh, let me give you um, what it is that I see. Okay, um, and I spend a lot of time 
in the capital markets and uh, in the global markets as well. And therefore, uh, I have a, uh, a more formed point of view around where we are um, in, in our market today. And so what I would tell people is, yes, for sure, right, this is a great time uh, to invest and it's a great time to be on Main Street in the United States. Okay. The U.S. is uh, the strongest economy in the world right now. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing uh, growth where other you know, markets are much more fragile and are mm -hmm. weaker. Uh, we're seeing um, the uh, demand for uh, U.S.-based capabilities also uh, at uh, important levels and um, highs. And you see that manifest itself in things around uh, yield and inflation in the United States. So it's a great time uh, to be uh, where you are. Um, I think secondly, like any market, okay, a market will go through cycles, okay? The best time to um, invest is at a point where what I would say are uh, rates are generally lower, okay? And you have strength in the market, which allows you to optimize your situation, right? Your balance sheet and your situation. Uh, small businesses should play for the long term, okay? Mm -hmm. And they, there is sales growth and revenue growth opportunities. Uh, the cost of investing in your business is relatively low vis-a-vis -vis other points in time where we could see it be much more expensive. Okay, We know that rates will not stay uh, where they are forever. Right? right. And so what you have is um, solid business performance great economic outlook in terms of the stability of Main Street USA and a relatively attractive time in terms of the cost to invest in your business. Think wisely about how you take advantage of the next, you know, let's call it 24 to 36 months. The time to invest, to play the long term, is now. There you go. We're bullish. We're bullish on entrepreneurship. We're bullish on America. And we're bullish on investing in your own company. I, I agree 100% with that, by the way. Um, but I will, I will caution our listeners that um, make sure you have a plan, what I call a GPS plan, in place. So once you get the money that you need, you can figure out exactly how it's going to help you get to where you want to go. Um, you know, so at the end of the year, you know, when you're looking at your strategic goals, you know that through the, you know, additional capital that you were able to get for your business, you were able to achieve higher than expected goals. And, uh, so you had the, the ROI was there for your company. Great advice, Brian. And for the listeners who want to explore this more, I encourage you to reach out. 
um, to uh, Wheeler Financial. Uh, you can do that simply by going up to www.wheelerfinancial.com. That is W-H-E-E-L-E-R financial.com. And we would love to spend some time talking with you about how we can invest in your business and your success. Uh, we will come to you. We will spend the time and we look forward to doing business with you. That's fantastic. Christopher, thank you very much. I think this has been uh, very helpful to our listeners and to the small business owners that we work with on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, we certainly look forward to having you back on our podcast. Maybe, maybe this fall we can do a follow-up and talk more about financing your business for growth. Outstanding. Look forward to it and go Main Street. All right. Thank you, Christopher. And to all our listeners, uh, heed his advice. It's a good time to be bullish about your business. Uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket in any aspect of your business. And uh, make sure you have a GPS plan so you know exactly where you want to go. With that, I thank you for listening to the Small Business Edge podcast. And we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.